You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 231. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Rent the Runway. They have a new program called Unlimited, which is their new subscription to fashion, which gives you the keys to a rotating dream closet for work, weekends, and everything in between. So for a flat monthly price, you can get unlimited designer pieces and rent them on rotation. You pick three pieces at a time and you keep them as long as you want. And when you're ready for something new, swap them out for fresh styles. And if you really, really love one particular piece, feel free to buy it at an exclusive discount and keep it forever. After traveling the way I have and having such a small wardrobe, I truly feel like this is an incredible way to do fashion because you don't have to keep things in order to constantly have new things. So to keep a small wardrobe, but also have variety, this is honestly calling my name. So I cannot wait till I have my own home to do this myself. But for you guys right now, just so you know, they're giving you 25% off your first month. But if you would like to give this a try because you are in one location, lucky you, you guys get to get 25% off your first month by going to renttherunway.com slash unlimited, then enter the code lively. That's going to give you that 25% off. I hope you love it. And I cannot wait to start using this service myself when I have a home to have it shipped to. Now let's move on to today's episode. Today I'm in London and I am speaking to a friend who also happens to live in London. In fact, I was house and cat sitting for him and his wife, Emily, over the past week. So today's guest is James Williams. He is a high performance coach over at jamesrswilliams.com. He also coaches with his wife, Emily Williams, who has the hugely successful iheartmylife.com coaching programs and offers. And I really wanted to have James on the show for a few different reasons that I think are really unique to James. So he has a lot of experience with relationships through his coaching and also in particular with entrepreneurial women through iheartmylife.com and the coaching he's done with his wife, Emily, like I mentioned earlier. So he's interesting because he's got this male perspective with a ton of female coaching of entrepreneurs, which I know a lot of you listening are female entrepreneurs. So I'm guessing, you know, there's going to be a good portion of the audience nodding their heads when we talk about the things we're going to discuss today. And also with his male perspective, it's really unique that he has this male idea and understanding and awareness of what it's like to have a female entrepreneur wife and also how to coach others. So this conversation is going to have many different facets to it. In the show, we're going to talk about independence and interdependence and how to maintain your independence, especially as a couple that works or is around each other a lot, the way that he and Emily are. And also we're going to talk about the roles and the changing roles that are in many relationships in this day and age. If you're in a cisgender male-female dynamic, a lot of those roles are shifting over time. So we're going to discuss some of those dynamics he's seen play out for himself and others that he's coached. And we're also going to do a deep dive into masculinity and male vulnerability and how male vulnerability looks, what's stopping males from sometimes being as vulnerable as they may want to be or could be, and how that affects their relationships 
and also what we can do to take our relationships to the next level if they're already thriving. So this is going to cover the gamut from starting off as an independent person all the way to taking a successful relationship to another level. So if you're listening and you have a partner and you want to play this together, this may be an interesting one to play with your partner, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever cisgender, non-cisgender relationship you may have. And of course, at the end, this is an interesting part. There's a little interesting moment where we look at what the word toxic really means. What does that really mean for us? That's an interesting part that kind of shows up sporadically at the end of the episode as well. Let's go to the show. James, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely honored to be here. Yes, you and I are going to have some fun today. So let's start first with how you got to where you are. So how I got to where I am, it's such a great question. And it's something that, you know, in this industry, we think about a lot and are very grateful for, you know, I, uh, the more immediate story, really, I was, I was working in television for 12 years. But previous to that, which I think is really important was that, you know, I grew up in a really great family, you know, outside of London. And, you know, I was a very intuitive young lad, you know, I, I kind of grew up not really liking the academic strict system of school, you know, I was a very creative thinker, very outside the box thinker very quietly confident that everything would work out, even though the grades were very average and, you know, my parents were like, work harder. I just knew things were going to work out. I was very confident and very intuitive. Doing a lot of looking back now, I realized that my intuition left me a little bit frustrated a lot of the time because I couldn't prove a lot of what it was that I knew. But I was quietly confident. And so I went through my childhood pretty confident. And then, of course, you know, going through my teenage years, we all have funny things happened then. So that was kind of up and down all over the place. You know, I was pretty good. And, you know, I went to university and I studied graphic design and advertising randomly because I was a creative person. And that was the only outlet I could think of at the time. And after that, I went traveling to Australia for seven months and found myself and was just, you know, living in my best self, which was someone who goes out on his own and finds people and connects people and just makes relationships. And, you know, it's just an amazing experience. Then I came home feeling very intrinsically motivated, knew what I wanted out of life, but an opportunity came to work for this amazing television broadcaster and I snapped it up. And, you know, it was what I loved. It was people, it was fast paced, it was passionate, but it was a big corporation. And so what happened was my intrinsic values got kind of lost in extrinsic values. You know, I was extrinsically motivated by a system that wanted things done their way which is quite common for kind of any kind of corporate job, really. And that's fine. And, it, and a lot of people love that. I lost a bit of that intrinsic value myself. And um, I think after maybe seven of those 12 years, I was just I just wasn't satisfied anymore. I was kind of feeling very incongruent. I, I wasn't the best version of me. That young 12 year old that was so confident and knew there was something big out there for them. He was kind of screaming at me from in my head saying, you know, you know, there's more. This isn't it. And I didn't know what it was. And so I was really searching for something new. And I, at that time, it was looking like, you know, getting a raise or finding a new position in that company. And these little extra motivations and, and rewards were very short lived. And so it was just as the result of any extrinsic motivation, very short lived. I wasn't connected internally. And so I then really started looking outside again, really trying to reconnect with that 12 year old that, that kind of seemed to have it all figured out. And it was around that time I met my amazing now wife, Emily, who really was an inspiration to me because she, you know, she hadn't had a big career yet. And so she was this fireball of of energy and, and, and intelligence and motivation. And she sort of started moving into this personal development space, which 
I was aware of, I was reading, I was studying, but I didn't know that it was an area that I could ever go into. And so really, as she started moving to that journey, I, I kind of got hooked and I realized that, you know, I reconnected with that inner voice, which was, I need to be with people. I need to be in service of people. I need to be growing and developing myself because human performance was something that I've always was interested in. And so fast forwarding to the end, I basically, I hired a coach who held me accountable to set to committing and jumping ship. And I did, and I left that career, you know, very, very grateful for it. It taught me a lot. And the moment I handed in my notice and realized I'm now moving forward into a career of personal development and teaching and coaching, everything fell into place. That little 12 year old voice that, that felt so comfortable with his choices was back. And I was connected again to my intrinsic values. And, you know, I found Brendan Bouchard, who was my kind of the guy that I found that in the industry that was really talking my language, you know, personal development in terms of high performance, internally, physiologically, socially, it really spoke to me. And so this, it gave me the structure that I've now developed and been certified in and, and moved forward to really expanding myself. And now years later, I'm working with Emily and we, we run a wonderful coaching business and I coach one-on-one -on -one and I coach within a program and I'm just lit up every single day that I get to grow and I get to inspire and teach and work with some of the most amazing people in the world and meet some of the most amazing people in the world like yourself, Jess. Oh, that's sweet of you to say. Well, I can say you are really turned on. Like you are, like you said, I do imagine you having known you as a friend, <laughs> waking up every day, actually genuinely super excited to hit the ground running and, and living that. I think you really are. So I know it's so interesting. And one of the reasons having you on the show to talk about what we're going to discuss today is so fascinating because we have a majority of female listeners, not obviously all of them, but you have a background in a lot of coaching with female entrepreneurs through your coaching with Emily and you are a male, you have been coaching and want to move into more male, but you have this interesting perspective and especially because of our large female entrepreneur audience, again, this is kind of your background. So I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. But before we get into relationships and all of those concepts, you say it's all about getting into the self and understanding the independent versus interdependence first. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just a sort of bit of backstory there to lead into that. You know, when I first left and I joined uh, the company that Emily started, my first role as a coach was speaking to the ladies in our program. And a lot of what they were interested in was, well, how do you work with your wife? How does that make you feel as, you know, you were the guy earning sort of some good money. And, and, you know, when I left, obviously I had to sort of get myself certified and the, you know, the roles seemed to be different to what I grew up with. Right. And so they wanted to, they wanted to know, well, how did you make that work in your relationship? And, and, you know, my husband or my boyfriend is, is not understanding my journey. And so I was doing a lot of coaching from my perspective. And then of course, learning how performance took it in a different direction, but still working with a lot of female entrepreneurs. And like you said, what I realized was that relationships require understanding independence and interdependence. Now, what are they? Well, independence is really our ability to show up fully as ourselves, right, at our best. So that 12-year-old that I talked about that was so confident, even though you know, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. He had the ability to show up unapologetically without feeling like he had to prove himself to the people around him who didn't quite get why he was showing up the way he was showing up. 
and interdependence well this is understanding that you know what we we don't have to go on this journey on our own in fact you know using the relationships in our lives giving to them and, and receiving from them allows us all to grow so inter interdependence say if, if we talk about team a really wonderful team is a group of very strong individuals independent individuals that work very well together interdependently to become even more powerful so if you think about that in a relationship say me and emily our ability to show up independently as our best rather than being shrunk by each other allows us to be interdependently powerful together what does that look like because i think that there's codependence or dependence and then there's interdependence now there's a spectrum there's codependence or dependence then independence so you're not depending on someone else for anything but what does interdependence look like how do you interplay while still being independent at the same time what are you giving up or what are you gaining or how do you do that well, this is the thing. You're not giving up anything. It, I think it starts with clarity because obviously some teams don't work, right? Whether that be personal relationships or teams in a company, you know, it's important that the independence people complement each other so that they can work together. So for example, with me and Emily, especially now we work because we're actually very yin and yang, right? Our strengths um, complement each other because where I'm particularly strong, Emily would like to grow. And where I would like to grow, Emily is particularly strong. So we get to show up fully as our most powerful independent selves in complement of when it fits together, an even more powerful, complete team. So interdependence at its most effective is a complementary two pieces or however many pieces fitting together. Does that make sense? Yes. Can you give us examples, one from your personal relationship and one from the career relationship? Of course. So for example, Emily puts it, and I love this, and this is why I say this in a lot of the, um, the podcast or the interviews that I do. Emily calls me a socially ambitious person. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that, you know, I love people and I'm a chatterbox, right? I love people. I love learning from different types of people and sharing with different types of people and connecting people and bringing people together. You know, you put me in a room of strangers and I will talk to all of them and find out common ground with all of them. Okay. Emily, on the other hand, her superpower is that she one-on-one -on -one is very, very powerful. In a group of people that she doesn't know, it's not necessarily her comfort zone. You know, and, and that's a really, that's not a bad thing at all. There are different strengths there. Like I can't do what Emily does and she can't always do what I can do. Together, we cover all bases, you see? And that's in the career, correct? Well, that's career and our social life. It's all the same. It's our life, right? I actually don't like to divide that into two things. I think that my life is everything. It's, it's the, the work that I do and it's the social things that I do. It's all connected. It all serves each other. And so actually understanding and being honest about what your strengths are and what maybe your challenges are is the first step to actually having a really, really effective interdependent relationship. Okay. And give us another example that people can relate to that may not work together. So may not work together. Okay. So if we're talking about personal relationships, so they might have a relationship that hasn't worked. Um, maybe they're too similar. So if you think about two independent people that are very, very similar in a lot of ways initially that attracts them because they have the they have the same ideas 
But if those two people want to work together effectively, then whose strength in one particular area is going to be the, the way forward? Because you can only choose one. If it's like, okay, I want a, a red car and the other person says, I want a yellow car, who gets to choose? If both people, their strengths are, you know, maybe decorating the house, right? I'm, I'm a really good internal you know, designer of the house, right? Well, so am I. Well, who gets to choose? Especially if the ideas are different. Whereas if one person's strength is interior design, the other person really doesn't care about it and it's not their strength. But the other person is really good at, I don't know, DIY. That's going to work really well. Someone can buy it. Someone can put it together. That's obviously a very simple example, right? But, you know, finding great team is really about that. And it doesn't mean that if you've got qualities that are the same passions as, as your partner, that it's not going to work. But it's really recognizing what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. Weaknesses, in fact, we shouldn't even call them weaknesses. It's really what are the things that you're genuinely passionate about and what are the things that are not so much of an interest to you? Because if you're passionate, passionate about something, I would call it a strength. Yes. Here's a question. How do you keep your independence while you're so connected in all aspects of your life? That's a very good question. And it's a struggle for a lot of people, right? Because, you know, in a relationship, we really want to do the best to be there for our, the, the, the relationship, right? And, and so quite often, I know this was a struggle for me. I mean, I used to always put the agendas of other people's first because I love people. And, and maybe, it come, maybe it came from a place of really wanting to be accepted. And so, you know, I would put their agendas before my own, thinking that that would create a, a successful relationship. Whereas, in fact, it, it, that builds resentment. On the part of you or on part of them? On the part of me. So if I'm putting someone else's agendas first all the time, you know, what do they want? What do they want? What do they want first? then I'm never getting what I want. And after a while, what happens is, is that I'm, I'm not living my own life. I'm not living an independent life, the best person that I can be, because I'm putting someone else first all the time. And then resentment builds up because it's like, well, I don't get to do what I want to do. And if I'm not the best version of myself, how can I possibly be a good relationship partner? So how do you strike that balance with you guys? You know, we came into this world independent right we've known ourselves longer than we've known anyone we've known ourselves longer than we've known our own mothers right we were there on our own in that little womb first on our own right we will always have our independence no matter who's in our life and i think that's really really important and it's not a matter of being selfish it's a matter of really understanding that when we are at our best for ourselves first we are then serving from a full cup and if we're not serving from a full cup, then we're actually cheating the people in our lives. But I want to hear a practical thing that you guys do that's independent so you can keep that going. I want to actually hear like a daily ritual habit. I want to hear, how does that look for you? This is a matter of holding space, something that we do for each other that allows us to have our own space. So it's really important to recognize what routines we both need in the day or the morning or the evening to have our own space. So for example, in the mornings, you know, we make sure that we have our own time apart to, to journal, to meditate, to get our heads in a place where we're feeling ready and pumped up for our day. We have practices of space. So for example, if I'm going through a challenge, right, and I need space, it's important that Emily knows that 
because she might come down and be excited about something and I might not be in the right place for that. So the, one of the practices we have is if Emily's got something to share with me, whether that be positive or negative, she will say to me, James, are you in a space for me to share something with you? something exciting or maybe something negative. And it's my responsibility in that moment to sort of say, you know, no, if I'm not in a good space, if I need time on my own to say no, to say, actually, right now I need space for me. I'm, you know, I'm going through something right now or I'm busy right now. I would love to hear what you have to say. Can we do this like in 20 minutes or 30 minutes? Right. And it's a mutual respect of time and space. And do you do that just during your workday or is that any time of day? any time of day, especially for us, we're running a business together. And so we're in a house that there are areas of it, which are workspace and area of it, which are our home space. Reasons why we have two separate offices very, very far apart so that we have our own kind of little domains, if you like, that we can create an environment that serves the way that we work. And actually, I've been at the house and you do definitely have your own spaces. And I think they're like three floors apart. So you're right. (laughs) They're very far apart. So here's a question. I know you've said that the female entrepreneurs you've worked with and coached have been affected by their male partners and how they're showing up. So can you go into what is that and what are the dynamics you've seen from those people you've coached? Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of the female entrepreneurs that we coach at the very beginning, especially are, you know, they're leaving a, a different kind of life. It might be having worked for a company or maybe in the process of leaving working for a company or maybe they have been a mums and they now want to start an entrepreneurial career. But they basically a lot of them are new entrepreneurs or, you know, certainly moving into a space that is different from what they used to. And we all know that when you start as an entrepreneur, it's all on you. And it, it's, it's a little bit scary at times because you're investing money in building something that isn't guaranteed to give you a lot back immediately. It takes time to build. And so it takes a lot of courage and a lot of passion to get started. And a lot of what I've, I've been learned and supported some of those female entrepreneurs with is that their partners, their families, their people around them, out of love a lot of the time, throw their insecurities at these female entrepreneurs by being concerned, by sort of saying, oh, I don't know if you should do that. Or it sounds like you're spending a lot of money or maybe, you, how, how do you know that's going to work? What if you fail? And, you know, what it does, even though it's coming from a place of love and protection, you know, like our parents might sort of say, you know, oh, I'd rather you just be safe than take any scary risks. What that's doing is it's, it's playing on the, it's like stimulating the, the insecurities that these women are working so hard at moving through. So the intention that's coming from love is actually doing more damage. And the intention that's coming from love is coming from their insecurities. And so it was really important, actually, to get, say, my perspective on this, because I know that there was, there was times when Emily started this journey that I was feeling a little bit like these guys. You know, I was like, I wanted to protect Emily. So, I was, you know, maybe she moves fast. Right. And of course, now I'm in that space, too. But at the beginning, she was moving fast. And from a place of love, I was maybe doing some things that were holding her back. What would you do specifically? I might say, well, you know, maybe we should wait until this money comes in before we go and invest more money, which is basically saying, I don't know if it's going to come in, which is putting fear, putting the fear in the mind of Emily, right? And so really it was my insecurities on judging the success or the potential success of Emily. 
Can you say that again? So you were also a little bit worried about how successful she would be or become? as well as how unsuccessful she'd be. So there was barriers on the high or the lows. Mm. So if you think about, you know, I was working in a, in a, for a big company. It was a very safe, secure job, right? I was in comfort, in inverted commas. And so the, you know, the idea of entrepreneurship was new to me. Um, Emily had grown up with it uh, in her family. And so the idea of moving so boldly towards something so, so fast and investing all these things without me really understanding what was going to happen, you know, I wasn't so much so much worried about the money personally. I was I was worried. Well, what happened if it if it didn't work? Could she deal with it? I was worried about her emotionally. What would you say now, knowing that that was what you had done? What would you tell yourself now if you could go back in time? I would say, you know, one of my strengths was is really understanding people. I'm really understanding my effect on people. And I would say, James, think about what it is you're good at, because what you're doing right there is actually stoking the fear that Emily's trying to move through. She's displaying a huge amount of courage and belief in herself. And actually, that's where I got to very quickly was actually, well, wait a minute. Does she work really hard? Yes. Has she got the potential to do this? Yes. If she fails, can she get over it? Yes. Why are you worried? Is it about you or is it about her? It was about me. How so? If she goes into a place of fear and if she if it doesn't work and if she fails at something and feels terrible and, and crushed, that means that I have to make her feel better. I have to fix her, right? Which is such a classic male trait is the feeling that you have to put on the fix-it hat. And people don't need fixing. You know, help is for the helpless. And Emily certainly has never been helpless. And so uh, it was a classic example of good intentions actually really displaying a lack of trust and slightly patronizing. Did you have any fear around her success, like extreme success? I didn't personally, but that is something that people have is, is the fear of change. What happens when everything changes? How does it look? What does that do for my life? I mean, that wasn't something I ever had. I mean, I've, I'm quite an ambitious person myself, but that's something I've definitely seen is I've seen that in, in, you know, in quite a lot of uh, the conversations I've had with people's families and people around their families. When the idea of a life is so big and lavish and the opportunities are so freeing, Suddenly, these weird opinions come up uh, about deserving. You know, we watch movies and TV shows and people with money are quite often portrayed as evil. <laughs> you know, big, successful people that, that have the opportunity to travel the world are quite often portrayed as evil. As we know, you and I know that that's not true, um, especially in this industry. And so the thoughts around money, especially material possessions, people don't want to talk about it because it's like it seems greedy or evil. And so when people see the potential for massive success, suddenly feelings of unworthiness come up in their own lives, even though it's not their specific life, their journey. It might be a parent looking at their daughter and their daughter suddenly rising and got all this potential and they don't know how to relate to it. And again, it's not about the daughter. It's about them. Fascinating. Okay. So with this understanding you have about the males and the female entrepreneurs in this dynamic, you were talking to me about the fact that redefining male and female roles in relationships can be very helpful. What have you discovered in this area? Well, it's interesting how, you know, we've all grown up, you know, we, we grew up in a, in a certain family dynamic and we grow up assuming that, that that's just what we, we know. 
And that's the case in, in a lot of the habits we have and just environments we grow up in. Of course, everyone grows up in different environments, but there are some commonalities with roles and assumed roles of male and female and what we're used to. One question I know that Emily used to always ask me when you know she started this journey and, and everything was starting to go really well. She's like, well, how would you feel if I was earning more money than you? How would you feel if I was the big earner? Let's say I loved the job that I had and I was still there. You know, the money that I would be earning would be, it wouldn't contribute to our life, really. It would be a pure passion. It'd have to be a pure passion. And she was asking, well, how do you feel about that? I was okay with that. But I've got to say that when I did first leave and, you know, there was a, there was a period of studying and learning and getting certified before, you know, I was actually bringing in money, there wasn't a feeling of, how can I wear my fix-it hat now? <laughs> how can I wear my fix-it hat? Isn't that my job as a man to be able to to be able to like, you know, support his woman, right? And as honorable as that may sound on the surface, that's very disempowering to someone who is just as powerful as me. How did you overcome that? Well, I, I overcame that by really just asking myself the question, what is it that you're scared of? And there were so many layers of that. There's so many layers of, well, is this a gender role thing? Is it what other people think? Like with her, her, her parents, who are such amazing people, and her dad's very, very successful guy, and mum was just an amazing mum, and there's that classic kind of family dynamic there. What would her dad think of me if suddenly I, you know, wasn't this guy with that classic role who, uh, if everything went wrong, you know, could support Emily? Right. So it wasn't even my fears. I realized it wasn't my fears. It was the fears of other people as someone who, you know, really, really wanted to do, wanted to serve and wanted to connect with lots of people. I realized that what that left me with um, back then was a weakness because it, it, it meant that a lot of the choices that I made were around how other people felt about them. And how did you overcome that? Because I think a lot of people listening can relate to exactly what you just said there. Right. Well, you know, the interesting thing is it comes back down to independence and our ability to be actually of more service to those we care about when we are fully independent in our power. Because the truth is, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion, whether it's family or friends or loved ones, everyone's going to have an opinion. And those opinions are based on their life and their filters, right? We all have filters based on our life and how we grew up. Our parents have filters based on how they grew up. Our friends have filters based on how they grew up. It's just their filter, what they see. And we can respect other people's opinions. It's, you know, everyone's got an opinion. If we're going to truly show up independently as our best selves, we've got to know what, we, what our values are, what's important to us, what is intrinsically motivating and, and important to us. And when I did that work, I realized what was important to me was that Emily get to shine her light and be the best version of herself and that I be the best version of myself so that interdependently as a, as a, as a couple, we could be ultimately extremely powerful, extremely happy and grow together. I mean, the word relationship itself really gets split down into coming together and interacting and, you know, people, people grow. We are not the same people we were 10 years ago. So, so to think that when you're in a relationship, you're going to be the same people for the rest of your lives. You're not. Being independent means growing and growing together and allowing each other to grow together. 
So one of the things you just touched on is a theme that I've seen with the coaching I've done over many years, especially when I was a business coach. So you kind of touched on it from a male perspective, but I've seen so many females that when it comes to finances and independence, being financially independent and feeling like the value they're contributing to the partnership is a very big point of vulnerability for a lot of women, especially that I've worked with, just because that's been mostly my client base. So let's say, for example, this is what I see most commonly from my experience. Husband stays at job. Wife doesn't like her job, miserable at job. Wife, with the full support and love of her husband, quits the job and starts a small business of some kind. And the woman then questions what she's able to contribute and feels guilt around this ability or opportunity that she has because she feels like she's not contributing to the family as she once was financially. Even though the husband never seems quite as bothered by this, the wife feels this intense amount of guilt around it. What are your thoughts? Because I think you just had that from a male perspective, but either way, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's interesting. Money is such a big subject. It really is. You know, this idea of money, numbers in an account, you know, it's uh, it, people get so obsessed with it. And when we think about if we take away the idea of money and numbers in an account, think about what that is for. It's for contributing to our life and our future. You know, it's investment. It's, you know, a house is a home and a car is a way of getting about and, and also fun. You know, groceries are our choice of what we're nurturing our bodies and eating. And money is just life, right? And if someone is feeling insecure because they don't feel that they're contributing financially to their life, then I think it's really important to, to actually just stop and think, well, what life do I want? What, what makes me feel full and satisfied? And what in the future is going to feel like I'm growing? What is it I actually want in life? You know, materially, in, intrinsically, extrinsically, what is it that is going to satisfy me independently? And in our in, interdependent relationship, discussing with my partner, what is it that we want for our lives intrinsically and extrinsically? And when you have that, when you have those pieces, really any other feelings of guilt and insecurity, that's some self-work needed. If you can create what you want independently and create together what you want in, in an interdependent relationship, then guilt means that there's some time being spent outside of the present moment. Well, let's say that the person's independently not able to provide those things that they want. Like you just said, you have to independently have them. And if they don't have them, they're relying on the partner, whichever gender it is, for finances. They don't feel that independence. I also know a lot of them then feel guilty buying things for themselves. That's another theme that I've seen come up from people that have these situations. What would you say to that? Guilt's a really interesting one. Guilt is something I see a lot in female entrepreneurs. I think that it's um, something that, I mean, guys suffer from guilt as well, but in a very different way. I think it's, it's really interesting. It's self-bullying guilt. I think it's one of those things that's very unique to each person as to why, where that's coming from. Like I said, it's how does contribution look for that person? And they have to redefine it outside of the realm of finances? Well, sometimes, because like I said, when you figure out what it is that you really feel is going to fill you up in, independently, that might not include money in the bank. It might include. So I know a lot of mothers who are at home, you know, looking after kids while their husband's at work. That's a full time job. 
that's a massive contribution. It really is. So because she's not earning money, does that mean she's not contributing? I think some people would feel yes in their own lives. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying I think that that's some of those people or just like I said, maybe especially around a woman that doesn't have children and is starting a business. Maybe let's say they were a lawyer. They quit their job because they were miserable. Husband's full support is there. They're now starting a health coaching business. Actually, I'm speaking of someone specifically who's probably listening to the show. So I know she's had a lot of uh, things. And I'm just speaking archetypally of someone like her that feels, oh, I'm not contributing, even though their finances are usually often fine, but sometimes they are limited to an extent. They can't go on as many, I don't know, vacations or there are limitations from these opportunity costs, basically, of what they've stepped away from. But the joy, the the peace, the love, it's so interesting, I find, because I think what you said is so true. It's self-bullying. Usually, I have just seen so many overwhelmingly supportive partners, typically male, so supportive of these women to go off to do what fills them up. But then the women are racked with guilt for the lack of financial contribution they're making in especially the short term of making a transition. Right. I mean, I would want to know how actually open uh, in conversation they are being with their husbands because husbands can be supportive without an actual conversation happening. How so? Well, if a female entrepreneur has started a business and whether this business is at the beginning and it is going to bring in a lot more money or whether it gets to a point where it's great and it's successful, but not bringing in the same amount, it, you know, it, I guess there, there's two different stories there. But if the particular, you know, female entrepreneur is feeling guilt around not providing enough, I would wonder how much of an open conversation she's having to where's that validation of that guilt coming from outside of her. I think you're totally right when you say you're bang on to use a British term or an Australian term. I don't know where I learned it. I think you're bang on about it's self-bullying. I don't even think it comes from the partner. I think it's coming from themselves. And then, like I said, if they want to buy something, they have all of these stipulations over whether they deserve it. To go back to your other point earlier about deservingness of things in situations like that. Right. Yeah, it's self-worth. And I think that, you know, Truly being independent means doing the work to make sure that you can show up fully as yourself, which is giving yourself permission and giving yourself permission to have a bad day as well. You know, give yourself permission to say, Do you know what, today I feel a bit guilty and actually not making that wrong all the time. It's just ex- accepting it and moving past it. I think the other thing is actually really allowing ourselves to have a bad reaction because we're human. And quite often we stay in those bad reactions longer when we make them wrong. The ego gets to play a part sometimes and it will make us feel guilty for something and we can accept that and think about it and then move past it and think about what can we do to to bring forth a little bit more self-love. You think about in a relationship when your partner does something nice for you, you want to reward him or her. So if you do something nice for yourself, you will want to reward yourself and reward doesn't come in the form of guilt. So I would say that someone that is bullying themselves like that too much isn't necessarily doing enough for themselves to de- to feel like they deserve reward. Yeah, if they're not ever receiving it, how do they know they should get it? Right. You know, that comes back down to relationship with self. The relationship with yourself is the same as the relationship with someone else. Give yourself space. Give yourself rewards. Recognize your achievements so that you build up that confidence shelf. You know, when you do something nice for yourself, you feel good. 
and you keep doing nice things for yourself, then you're then you're going to feel good about yourself because you're looking after yourself. And that can be as simple as, you know, taking a nice long hot bath at the end of the day and not rushing because you feel like you've got to be there for someone else. Or it could be simple as saying, you know what, today I'm not going to work from home. I'm going to go, I'm going to buy myself lunch. I'm going to sit and have a working lunch out. Sometimes it's something as simple as that. Absolutely. Actually, I have a story of this if you want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I was in Australia and I was shopping and wandering around. And I'm pretty good at the low-level self-care, like under $100, you name it, I'm, I'm on it. Massage, lunch, macaroons, <laughs> three teas at a coffee shop, you name it, I, I don't have any problems. I, at a low level price point, right? So I go to this store and I walk in, it's a cute jewelry store and I love stacking lots of rings on my fingers. And I see this one that I think it was about $500. And that's obviously over my, probably like that, you name it, under a hundred, not thinking about it, price point of what I self-treat myself with. So I looked at it and then thought a lot about it, but didn't buy it at the time and was in between getting the aquamarine version or the diamond version. Now the aquamarine's half the price of the diamond version, which is the higher price point of the 500. So there's no problem these, this entire time, may I say, to actually whether I can afford the ring. There's, there's no question here about the finances. It was all this mental drama about whether I was going to get it and feel good about that purchase or not. So I wrote to my intuition about it because I was refusing to, I could not make a decision off the top of my head about which one to buy. And I like remember returning some shirts that I bought and I was like, well, that's some of that money. And then I was like, kind of like in my head piecing together this story of the finances and how I was kind of discounting it in my head from some arbitrary other finances and funds. Again, this entire time, the money is not the problem. So I sit down outside of the store a little like a few hundred feet away. And I write to my intuition on my phone at the time because I didn't have my laptop or pen or paper to do it. So I'm sitting there basically text messaging the universe <laughs> or my intuition, whichever, Joe, whatever you want to call it. I'm sitting there and I ask about why do I feel off about this purchase? If I do get this, I want to feel good about it. And it said it won't make you happy, but it could bring you joy or it will bring you joy. And that was interesting because I'm very specific about how I use words happy and joy. Joy is intrinsic. Happiness is fleeting. So I was like, whoa, how is this not going to make me happy, but will bring me something far more valuable than happiness? And what I realized in continuing to write to it, I don't remember the exact back and forth dialogue. I haven't memorized it, but I can tell you what it showed me was that this is a chance to love myself. And in that, I realized had I been with a partner and I showed them the ring and said, I like this and I would love this ring just because it will be something I enjoy and I think is beautiful, I would have no problem with them getting me the ring. It was the fact that I was single and buying it for myself that I had that deservingness. Not that I was saying, oh, you're single, you don't deserve it. But I wasn't used to getting myself something for the same token of just love and appreciation that I would totally accept from a partner. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, right? It's still relationship with self. Yeah. 
And so once I learned that, I was like in tears almost because I was like, oh my gosh, this is not about the ring. The ring's not going to make me happy. What's going to bring me joy is showing myself this love, fully knowing that this is not going to make me happy. Just like a partner could know that I'm not going to be unendingly happy because of this ring, but it's something that I like. They'll still get it for me, even though it's not going to make me unendingly happy. And I will appreciate the gesture as the real joy in that purchase. That was the same for myself. So now every day, I wear this ring, it actually brings me the joy because yes, I appreciate the prettiness of it, but I got that diamond ring and it taught me so much more because I realized I had my own perceived block on whether I would do something as kind for myself as I would accept from another. Yes. Amazing. That, and that's a perfect example of doing for yourself like you would do for others, right? It's a relationship. It's actually the most important relationship. Yes. Okay. So here's a question. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I know that you feel like a lot of men are holding a lot of things in and it tends to be ruining some of their relationships with other people. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think it's a really important talking point. I think having now spoken to you know hundreds of female entrepreneurs and you know there was a lot of wonderful, loving, supportive husbands, but because a lot of those guys aren't doing the same work, right? What does that mean? They aren't doing the same work? Not doing the same personal development not reading the same books, the same personal development books, not implementing any routines or self-love uh, work that's allowing them to grow personally where their wives are. What I've seen specifically that's happened is that where we know this, when you're doing this self-work, a lot comes up and it's emotionally purging. And you know, it's important to try and surround ourselves with people that are energetically supportive of that. At the same time, understanding that, you know, we've got to learn to, you know, deflect the negative energies that will uh, obviously come about. But what happens with a, you know, a lot of guys that I've seen is that where they aren't necessarily dealing with their own stuff, when they're faced with someone that is starting to shine and show positive, uh, optimistic views on the world and their lives and their potential, they're met with negativity. They're met with doubt. We talked a bit earlier about, you know, what seems like a good intention by trying to protect their, 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 their the ladies in their lives are actually projecting negative kind of insecurities of their own on their wives or the girlfriends or the, the, the ladies in life. And so, you know, I realized that a lot of guys that are kind of fit, that are, that are in that space. And I think that it, the, the root cause a lot of the time is a lot of guys don't feel that they're allowed to be vulnerable. The idea of a guy opening up and speaking about how he's feeling and what's making him feel down and what's making him feel weak and what's making him struggle is something that a lot of guys don't feel like they, they are, they're allowed to do. They've been brought up with the, the idea that you just suck it up and you get on with it be a man, right? Whereas being like now I've discovered this, you know, the really allowing yourself to be vulnerable and speak your truth allows you to be strong, allows you to show up fully as a man for everyone in your life, including yourself. And that it is, it actually takes a much stronger man to be vulnerable because what happens is, is purging those things that you may not think are important to anyone else. A lot of people, a lot of what I hear is that people don't have a tragic enough story to share, so they don't share it. 
So I haven't had any, any abuse or anything really tragic happen in my life. So therefore it mustn't be important. So I'm just going to hold it in. We've all got stuff that we've been through in our lives that has stuck with us. And if it's stuck with us and is negatively draining us, it means that we can't fully show up as our best selves, which means we're serving the people around us from an empty cup, which means that actually we're, we're actually damaging relationships. Because if I'm not showing up fully and serving from an empty cup, then how can I really be a good husband or a good boyfriend or a good son or a good you know, friend if I'm not even good to myself? How can I be good to anyone else? How do men display vulnerability in a way that makes sense for them? Is it the same as for a woman or what does it look like? I think that's the, that's the interesting point. Is that I don't think it has to look very different. I think really it's, it's just talking. It's just opening up to, to men or women about how they're feeling. Because I think what happens is lack of talking. It just starts with a conversation because a lack of talking. What happened with me personally is actually not knowing what was wrong, not knowing why I was feeling drained and not knowing why I was unhappy because I'd closed the tap of sharing so much at one point that I didn't even know where to start. I would say what would be great for the female entrepreneurs listening to this call that feel like the there are there are men in their lives that are holding stuff in that are feel it that are coming across a little bit resentful or a little bit emotionally kind of stunted is to give them a safe, comfortable, open, non-judgmental space to just share, to just say, how are you feeling today? Is there anything that's making you feel less than your most powerful self? And just open up the gate because it takes time. Purging can be a really painful process. We've got to be compassionate, but it starts with space. I talked about how Emmy and I were very conscious about asking for space rather than assuming that that space is available. Some great advice would be to, you know, open up a dialogue and make it clear that a non-judgmental space is available to just open up and share. And once that opens, once someone is open and the floodgates open, it's a very empowering space to be for a man. From, from my personal experience, once I, I found it really okay and actually quite empowering to share, which I will do online now, then I realized not only does it allow me to be the best version of me, but it's a massive service because once one guy goes online or in front of his friends and starts opening up and sharing, in a strong, powerful way, lots of other guys in, in their, that person's life are going are gonna to sort of be inspired by that and think, okay, maybe it's okay for me to do that now. Case in point, when I left my job and, and explained what I was getting into and started being very vulnerable about where I was at and how I was feeling and how I wasn't quite happy and what I was going to do about it, people came out of the woodwork to want to talk to me about it because it was how they were feeling. Well, here's an interesting thing. You just use words I've never heard necessarily used in the same sentence so far. <laughs> Vulnerability and a strong, powerful way. How do you do that? Because I think that's probably very appealing to men or women. Yes. So a strong, powerful way of being vulnerable is without kind of defensive, negative attitude. It's not, you know, blaming the world. It's taking responsibility. It's saying, do you know what? I have been feeling... So I'll, I'll bounce back to say how I was feeling. I've been feeling that this environment isn't serving me. And I've been feeling that I've been showing up as a bad version of myself because this environment has felt toxic to me. And I'm not going to blame the environment. I'm, 
I'm, I'm realizing that this just isn't for me. And what about, what if you even said another way? I am toxic to this environment. That's real self-responsible. If you really think about it, people, I, cause you just said, I don't think right at first it was actually going to be a true empowering statement to say the environment's toxic is to put the power in the environment, but to put it back into yourself. Cause so many people say I need to leave a toxic environment. What if we are actually the only toxic part of that environment? Our own story of the environment being toxic is the toxic part. Yes, you are spot on. You're spot on. Take full responsibility. Take full responsibility. Our, as a wonderful book that we're reading right now says, our outer world, our world without, is a reflection of our world within. So if there's something wrong with the, with the environment that you find yourself in, then take responsibility for it and recognize that actually you can take yourself out of that environment or you can change that environment. And that environment to someone else may not be toxic. That's kind of the bigger thing, right? Now, it could be about that, the frog with the boiling pot, like they don't realize the temperature's rising, so they're in it and they don't see it or recognize it. But it's also a story. I remember, you know, for example, like if you're very different than someone else and you grew up in a very similar environment, one person in that environment can feel completely suffocated or feel like it's super toxic and someone else can feel like it's totally fine and it's both the same place it's just the story that people are telling so when we feel like we're in a toxic environment maybe the most empowering truth we can say is i am toxic to this environment therefore i need to leave not to say you're toxic but just to say this toxicity is within me and the environment not blaming the environment but just removing ourselves from what's not working right yeah, totally. And you're totally right. I think there's a lot of blame that gets put out there extrinsically. And I think that, you know, speaking just then as I was from, you know, from how I felt at the time, that's how I felt. I felt like the environment was toxic. And what I did was I took myself out of the environment because I didn't want to leave 12 years of a career that had been very good to me with a bad feeling. So I made a change. I moved into a different area of that place that I was working before leaving. And that, that's the thing when I really came to the conclusion that you're right, it wasn't the environment, it was me. I didn't resonate with that. I hadn't taken responsibility for making a change personally. Yes, brilliant, that's it, right? I'm sorry, this is a total tangent right now about toxic environments, but I just hear that word a lot with people with toxic relationships, toxic friendships, toxic environments. Okay, what you just said, can we just underline it, highlight it, repeat it to ourselves? It means I haven't taken responsibility to make a change that my inner being is calling me to. Right, yeah, and challenge everyone on this call. How can you take responsibility for what you feel isn't, resonating with you or your environment or something in your life right now how can you take responsibility for it and empower yourself to make that change and that could be simply as like we've talked about it could be simply just by opening up dialogue with yourself or with someone to be vulnerable in a powerful way take responsibility and also take responsibility to put boundaries up when you need them around certain people in your life instead of the story that I can't because they're my mother-in-law or because they're my mother or whatever. And also taking responsibility to take space, like you said earlier, when you need it as well and not say that you can't because it's Christmas and I have to go to my parents' house. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big one, right? There's relationship with self and there's relationship with, you know, interdependent relationships. There's relationships all around there. And that's why being truly independent is the only way be in an effective interdependent relationship. 
Because if you're like, you know, that's a great example. If you're truly, you know, showing up fully as yourself, then you are unapologetically sharing your truth with your family or your friends. You're, you're saying it's not it's not a matter of being disrespectful. It's like, you know, this is my truth. Yes. Also, to go back to what you had said, and I got distracted by the toxic thing when you were saying about being powerfully in strength, sharing vulnerability. Basically, what I took from what you said was being in alignment when you share. So not sharing from your, you can be vulnerable, especially in a public way, right? So I think you could be vulnerable and out of alignment, I think, in a one-on-one with someone that deserves that and has earned that space to be there for you in a compassionate way. But in especially a public space, being powerfully in a strength of vulnerability could be, I'm in my own power as I'm sharing this. I'm not, I guess it's another way of saying I'm not blaming others for this. So I'm in a good energy as I'm sharing openly about things that are on my mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And and sharing publicly like that is in a very authentic way is massively in service of others as well. And I think this is what's really important because I think the more people that show up like that for others to see, you're really displaying that it's okay, right? Because there's a, a lot of feeling out there that, you know, it's not okay to share, And that if we do, that we're weak. The more people that unapologetically share and take responsibility for their lives, the more people will follow suit and feel like they can do the same thing and take they can take power of their own lives. And actually say, you know what? I've been complaining all this time about what's going wrong in my life where the whole time I had the power to take responsibility and do something about it. Okay. yes. Okay. you just nailed it for me. So basically vulnerability in a strength and powerful way is sharing from a place of self-responsibility to not take self-responsibility and to share publicly, especially is complaining. Mm-hmm. That's a definition. Cause I'm just thinking about all these Facebook posts and all these people ranting. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm upset about this today, you know? And it's like, well, the difference is this is my reaction. I'm having to this situation and I'm taking responsibility for that. And I'm being open about what that reaction is and how I'm looking at it. That's the vulnerable, powerful, strengthful way versus I'm upset about this and here's why. And it's not my fault. Everything else needs to change around me for me to be happy. Right. And obviously in a public forum is a very different reason than in a private space. If it's in a public forum, you've really got to think about, you know, is this in service to the relationships with my fellow human beings? Is this in service? Why am I sharing this publicly? The only reason to share it publicly would would to be in service, really. All right. So one thing I know you and Emily do, and this was really interesting to me, so I'd love to hear more, is that you guys, to take things to the next level in your relationship, are all about being totally truthful. What does that look like? Because I can also think like totally truthful, does that mean you never keep anything back? There's a big misconception about what that means. And we touched on it a little bit earlier. It's more about what's going on in our heads. So let me run an example for you. So let's say that Emily is doing something or making a choice about something that I don't agree with, but she's having a really bad day. So the old me might have said, well, she's having a bad day, so I'm not going to say anything to her because, you know, let's just do that. And then after a while that, you know, those sort of things keep happening and then I get resentful because I was like, I didn't agree with that. I didn't agree with that, but I didn't say anything. So being honest is actually giving yourselves permission and giving each other permission just to be very honest. It's like, One practice that we have is this thing called venting and gratitude in the evenings. 
right? We do it every night. A lot of the time, it might not be about each other, but it's like, you know, imagine purging a little bit every day so you don't get that buildup, which, you know, in relationships especially, it's always the little things that build up over years and then explode. So we do this thing called venting gratitude every night where it starts with, I will say to Emily, I'll say, are you in a space right now for me to vent? And I have to accept that she could say yes or no. Depends how she's feeling. And if she says yes, then I trust that no matter what I say, whether it's about her or about something else, that she has zipped up that protection coat and is, is available to listen. So it's trust. Then I will share a vent. And whether it, that vent could be about something that she did today or something that she said, or it could be about something totally random about a client or about a, about a friend or about a situation. And then I finish and then she says, she will say, thank you for sharing. And if there's something there that she feels like um, maybe she can paint a picture of or wants to talk to me about, she says, are you open for some feedback on that? Again, I can say yes or no. And she has to accept that. And if I say yes, I've got to be zipped up, protected, and she can say anything she wants to say. And then it's her turn. She does her event. And then we do, then we finish on gratitude. Okay. So are you open for me sharing some things I'm grateful for today? And I'll share all the things I'm grateful for. And we finish on that. So we go to bed with a massive lift of gratitude. And it could be anything as, as big as a successful launch to a really amazing avocado salad that I made or like our fluffy little cat being cute. It could be anything, right? And so what that does is it, it builds trust because it means that when I say during the daytime, I'm okay, she knows that I'm, I'm not pretending to protect her, right? It's real. And trust in a relationship is everything. So it's not about being totally honest. It's not about sharing every single little detail of our lives that, it, that we have every right to have to ourselves. It's about the details that can impact your relationship, how you're feeling. Is there something that's irritating you or, or an opinion you have about something that you feel, you know, is, is not allowing you to show up fully and independently as your best self in that relationship? And doing that every day, it's very powerful, very, very, it builds a huge amount of trust and ends the day with you really connecting and sharing. Do you vent every day? Yeah. So here's a question. I can just imagine myself let's say something was said and it triggered like a response in me. I'm thinking about Abraham Hicks because everyone knows I love Abraham Hicks. They always say that if you have a thought for 16 seconds, it'll start to attract other thoughts like it. And after 68 seconds, you have a feeling. So then you're kind of in a law of attraction state. So if something, let's say you said to me, triggered me and I had to wait till the end of the day, maybe I could get like in a really bad mood by the time we finally got to that. So a, a little thing that could have maybe been dealt with right away becomes a big deal. Oh no. If something comes up straight away, then we can deal with it straight away. Okay. You don't have to wait till the end of the day. That's where do you remember I shared earlier, you know, if during the day one of us has something like that, we say, you know, are you open for me to um, vent right now? There's something I want to get off my head. And it could be that, and she might say, you know, I actually don't want any feedback. I just want to bah at you. So I've got someone to do it at. And I don't want any feedback. I just want to get it out. Or if I do want feedback, I'll let you know at the end. And then I say yes or no. And if it's a no, but she really needs to get it out, then we will say, okay, maybe later. And most of the time it's, it's fine. And we say, yeah, yeah. And I give myself a moment, make sure that I'm within my power and not in a reactive space. And she'll share. 
But you know what? We're human and it's okay. If a reaction happens, it's okay. Do you know what we do then? No. What do you do? (laughs) We ask for a do-over. Oh, so you just do the same scene again? If I react, giving her permission to share and then react because it's, it's, you know, I'm a human being and it might have, it might have kind of triggered me. That's okay. And then the reaction, reactions are the first reactions. That's the ego, right? Once that settles down, it's then I then have the ability to respond. It's called a response ability. Now that's where my, I take back control and I say, whoa, do you hear what my ego just said? <laughs> yes. I feel like I would be having two different conversations with every, I'd be like, this is what my ego says. And my intuition says we're fine. <laughs> Right. And I said, can I get a do over? Can we do that again? Because my ego just blurted a lot of stuff out. And I recognized that that was a reaction. Can I have a do over? And we'll do it again. And, you know, the more you get into this practice, you know, it's, it's like anything. Little and often means that there's less chance of the big outbursts, right? Because then, but we're, we're human, right? And the, the whole point is not really being attached to an outcome of all of this. We're human. And reactions are okay reactions are okay whether you know if we get triggered by something we react let's just not make it wrong you're never wrong to react because you know what a reaction is a lesson in what's going on inside if something's triggering us then there's something going on there whether it's a story or or a disempowering belief it's a wonderful lesson and how can a lesson ever be wrong yeah i personally have recently had these situations where i'm so into law of attraction and awareness of the out of alignmentness and what you attract that I've almost had times where I flirted with this idea of feeling like I can't share my out of alignmentness to someone. And so it will build up and build up. And then like, I can't always be in alignment around someone for a long time, right? It's really hard. So then I'll do it. But then I realized later what I needed to give myself was I need to be the partner I needed in that situation. And I need to give myself permission to be out of alignment and say, okay, thank you for sharing. And like, I still love you (laughs) anyways, even when you're out of that, because that was an interesting aha moment for me, understanding law of attraction and seeing that I'm the creator of my own reality and seeing that with that awareness is new for me to say, okay, how can I, with this awareness, be in a dynamic where it's not always going to be in alignment? And how do I give myself permission when I'm out and be there for myself first? Because I can't expect a partner to do that if I can't even give this to myself first. Right. It's, isn't that powerful to display an honesty about being a human being and reacting and not always being in alignment? That's so powerful. You know, for someone like yourself who's done so much work and is such a wonderful, powerful, inspiring person to say to the world, you know what? Sometimes I screw up. Sometimes I react and, and, I, and I say something that isn't in alignment with myself. Wow, how how normal am I? How accessible is your level of achievement now to those that you wish to inspire? Because you are now human. Well, I always was human. I've never tried to say I wasn't. I think it's just for me, just having such an awareness and wanting to recognize the principle. It's like gravity, right? You don't hurt yourself against gravity. You either are following the, like, or electricity, right? Electricity lights a lamp or it burns someone if they're touching a live wire. It's just electricity. It's not judging us. It's just reflecting back to us the principle that it is. So having this awareness, I, I know when I'm out of alignment, I'm just choosing to hurt myself. But having the compassion to allow myself to, I guess, in that case, sort of hurt yourself, you know, and just say, it's okay when you do it. And that's fine. That's what I want in a partner. Therefore, that's what I need and want from myself first. Mm, Yeah, totally. Anyways, 
Okay, so let's move on. You have this little book, and I cat sat for you for, I think, about a week, and I read it. It's called U Squared, and you love it. Tell us why you love U Squared so much. You know what? It's a gem. It's a really little, it's, it's just a wonderful, we talked about it being like comfort food, didn't we? And it's just, it's just such a wonderful little book that really just talks about quantum leaps. You know, if we talk about personal responsibility, we're the only thing holding us back from taking a quantum leap to the next level. You know, why get there gradually when we can take a quantum leap to the next level? And by really kind of realizing that everything that we assume to be the way can actually be a totally different way. You know, taking you know, quantum leap really is about thinking way beyond what we think is common sense. And I love the way the book talks about common sense. You know, common sense is for a common life maybe we start thinking about non-common sense, which I love the idea of that. And it's kind of playful. You know, quantum leap means really, really stretching your imagination be way beyond what you assume is possible in your current set of circumstances and get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's how we take quantum leaps. You know, this little by little kind of like, you know, oh, I'll just try a little bit and, and see what's comfortable. If you want a comfortable life, that's okay. If you want to grow and expand and have a next level life, then that means moving into a space, moving into uncharted territory, doing things that you're not used to doing that you don't have a map for necessarily and being okay if sometimes you fall along the way. When we were learning to ride a bike as kids, we fell tons of times. If we waited until we knew how to ride a bike to ride a bike, we never would have been able to ride a bike, right? So think of that on massive terms in our lives. Quantum leaps is all about, you know, taking the same kind of huge strides that we did when we were kids, you know, doing things that we'd never done before and failing a ton of times on the way, but getting there so much quicker because we were okay falling. I love that. And when I read it, I interpreted it much more literally to like the difference in what I'm trying to do on season four of this show is help people make the quantum leap to recognize that to me, the common sense is the effort is the way and the hustle gets you the outcomes to recognize your frequency and your emotion. Your creation is coming inside your head first, your visualization, subconscious beliefs, all of that, your emotions, your beliefs, your visualizations, your expectations, all of that when harnessed appropriately, and I think we're just babies at this right now. So we are very, very inexperienced at actually doing this well. But I think that that's what I'm trying to lead us into is that quantum leap, which is uncommon. It's not the common sense out there. What I'm sharing is not out there in a fully accepted way around 95% of the population. When I'm finding it, even in my own life, the thing that leaps you forward so much faster, easier, and more effectively, because I think we're just, as a species, pretty unaware of this very obvious and essential principle. We just have such a hard blind spot to accept it in our own lives as true as we see it in the world of the science. Right. And a lot of people want predictability. And they can see the predictability very easily traceable to their actions. They have a harder time with the predictability and noticing it and taking responsibility for it in their personal lives. Right. Comes back down to responsibility again. Well, it's like the assumption of a toxic environment being the environment versus the person no longer taking responsibility to just move themselves out of something that's no longer a fit. That's uncommon sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what internal doubts or resistance are you currently going through? You're in such a high vibe lately. I'm very curious to hear if you have anything going on right now. 
I would love to share with you, like, and I shared with you um, earlier, actually, that this this kind of shift, and I think, you know, we are all growing all the time. And you know what? My commitment for life is to always be a student and always come at everything from a student mindset because I'm so excited that there's always somewhere to go, right? I don't believe that there exists, right? If we got there, what do we do? <laughs> so I'm excited that there's always somewhere to go. And one of the challenges I've had in my life from when I was a teenager was digestive issues, IBS, right? Which at the time when I was younger, I thought were food intolerances. And it was one of the reasons I got into health and fitness and things because I, you know, I wanted to grow and I was interested in human performance from that perspective. I wanted to you know, get very healthy and understand diet and food. And I really got myself 80% better. But there still was like a little tweak and I didn't understand what it was. And sometimes it was up and down and I got so frustrated because I was doing everything right. I thought then I get into, you know, much heavier into the personal development industry and started, you know, working a lot heavier on my mindset and the power that the link between my mind and my body has. I didn't understand that until, you know, until I really sort of got into it. And now even more recently, the next shift that I'm still working on and got a pretty big leap on recently was just that last little piece of we're running a business and we're working together, me and Emily, and we're working very hard. And there are still times where, you know, our mindsets are tested and our discipline to really give ourselves space and maintain good self-love practices so that we can, you know, really empower our clients as well as ourselves means that sometimes the stress and the emotion has still had an effect on you know my food and the, and the food that I could eat and you know still could drag me down a little bit still a tiny bit compared to how it used to so something I doing recently is really understanding the difference between a positive intention and a belief and so having gone through some theta healing and reading a lot of books around the power of belief and the link between our minds and our digestive systems and our energy systems, really starting to believe that it's not food that is going to harm me. And it's not a type of food that's going to harm me. I'm always going to be a healthy eater, but I think I used to have a belief that certain foods were bad for me and, you know, they would then upset me. And so I did a, I did a test recently and I studied very hard for two weeks on truly believing that I could have a wonderful relationship with food and that nothing that I ate would harm me in any way. And the big test was going to Italy <laughs> and eating all the wonderful food I could and had zero reactions. But I understand that this is a, this is a work in progress because my intention this year was always energy. And the missing piece for me was massively mastering my belief around what is possible for me with my diet, with my energy, with my future. And so, you know, I am working very hard still with that and especially around times that become very very stressful to have control over the ego that tries to trick me into thinking that certain foods and certain things are going to trigger a negative reaction in my body i love that and actually that's going to be a subject i'm going to go deeper into in a future episode just to speak about, I think that as energy sensitivity becomes a thing in people's lives, food sensitivities tend to become a part of that or a manifestation. But I think a lot of times just coming from Bali and a lot of places that I'm coming from, I actually think it's just a stage of people's lives. It's not a permanent resting state. So yes, yeah, sensitivities can come up as energy states change and become more sensitive and aware. But I don't think it's the end. I think it's just a stepping stone that you can pass through. It's a transition 
phase that you can actually get through to a place where you can, like you're saying, choose to eat any of the foods you want. Not that you will always want to eat cheese or dairy or whatever you didn't eat before, but that you can choose and not feel like any food is restricted from that place when you change the subconscious beliefs that you're speaking to around it in the first place. Not the conscious beliefs, it's the subconscious that needs to change because that's the digestion in the first place. But we think consciously we have a problem, therefore we're directing the subconscious to have a problem. If we can change the subconscious belief, even if we consciously don't agree or disagree, consciously is only 5%. We got to look at the roots, whether there's an issue you're denying or there's an issue you're believing and then creating, you can change the root when you understand how to change the subconscious. Yeah, and and I, that kind of talks about relationship with self again, doesn't it? Really, it's uh, it's really recognizing what you know, what you need to be your best self, and are you telling yourself stories that are having a negative effect on you physically? You know, I mean, guilt one. You know, negative stories and emotions have an effect on us physically as well as mentally, and we really do have the power of our bodies. Absolutely. And actually, when I did the redoing the subconscious beliefs around food, because I had the sensitivities around gluten, dairy, eggs, and peanuts for a long time, when I redid it, I, in that exploration, realized instead of the person who led me to ask the question, think of all the times you fed yourself healthy foods and you felt so good about that. When I went inwards and I actually reflected on that, I immediately intuitively knew for the last year that I had those sensitivities, I was feeding myself the feeling, the emotion of worry whenever I was eating any of the foods I had been told were bad for me. Not only was I eating whatever quote unquote was bad for me, I was feeding the emotion of worry as much as I tried to push it and shove it down. And that probably was just as harmful <laughs> to my body's reactions to food as the foods themselves, if not more so, who knows? Yeah, for sure. And it's so true for so many things in our lives. And this is this is like you said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, when you really, truly understand the power of actually believing that something's possible, your you know, energy and abundance and abundance of energy is yours. We have access to more energy than you can ever imagine. And it's our choice to access that and allow that to flow through us. And when you feel that, it's incredible. And I'm working, I'm still working on it. There's still a, there's still a, still a journey there. And I'm very proud of how far I've come, but I'm in no, I'm consciously working hard to make that a really, really much more powerful reality in my life for sure. So what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? Just starting out on this journey, I would say realize that who you were yesterday and every day before doesn't have to have any reflection on who you desire to be tomorrow and get excited by that get excited by you can create anything within yourself and outside of yourself that you desire and if you can just believe that then moving forward truly passionately into that space means that you can create anything you know passion and energy are really kind of the catalyst to creating like such amazing joy and happiness in your life. I love that. This was such a fun conversation, James. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all the stuff that we've talked about today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been amazing. I could sit here and chat to you for hours and I know you could too. <laughs> <laughs> I can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jess. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And James, thank you for coming on the show. If you want to send James a message, you can do so over on Instagram at James R. S. Williams. 
And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can do so at Jess C as in Cantaloupe Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash James Williams. Before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk about today's sponsor, Squarespace.com. Squarespace is awesome. If you have the need to have a new website or you have a frustration with the one that you have, you're not able to edit it as easily as you'd like, you're having a hard time finding themes that actually look good on other sites that might have some kind of build-it-yourself format, but the, just the designs aren't good, this is the place to go. I recommend this to all of my coaching clients. If I still was a business coach, that would be the first place I would send people to get started or even if they just have an already booming business like we do here at Jess Lively, Creative, but they just want to create simple sites easily, effectively, and have them look good at the same time. It's so easy for our team to pop in and do the editing to the websites all together as a team. It's easy for us to swap things in and out. And especially if you have great photos, Squarespace is going to make your site look so good because their designs are already aesthetically pleasing, but great photos combined with that good design, you're all set to go. To get a free 14-day trial of Squarespace to see if you really like it and put your own content into that, go over to squarespace.com lively. That's gonna give you the free 14 days, and if you wanna go forward with your service, enter the code lively at checkout to get 10% off. Now let's talk about where I'm headed to next. I'm going to Italy next week. Do you guys remember Gregorio Avanzini? He's a very popular Lively Show guest that came on about a month or two ago. You may remember his beautiful Italian accent. Well, based on that interview, we're now working on a new project together for the next four or five days in Italy. It's truly kind of an amazing dream come to to get to travel Italy with an authentic Italian, especially someone as lovely as Gregorio, and be able to help him on the project that we're about to embark on together, which of course I'll be sharing more details about as that moves forward. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.